bitch is bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. And I'm Erica. And Erica, we're doing a micropod, which is one topic for 20 minutes. So let's uh, start the clock. All right. So Ontario just had an election, a provincial election. And you've heard us discuss it on the podcast before. Um, it was a contest primarily between the progressive conservatives led by Doug Ford, the New Democratic Party led by Andrea Horvath, and the Liberal Party led by Kathleen Wynne. Kathleen Wynne and the Liberals were the incumbent government and premier and had been in power for the past 15 years, um, with Kathleen Wynne only taking over as premier in, I want to say, 2013 or so um, from her predecessor. So Ontario went to the polls and well uh it uh didn't go so well uh of the 124 seats in the legislative assembly or the legislature uh the progressive conservatives came out with a majority getting 76 seats the new democrats getting 40 the liberals plummeting to only seven seats and then the green party uh got their first seat in the legislature with one the liberals have fallen to unofficial party status like they lost their official party status wow yes so i which clusterfuck should we start (laughs) about should we start with the liberals sure okay so i have thoughts do tell (laughs) So let's start with the liberals fuckery of a communications plan. Okay. I don't know what they were thinking with comms, but it sucked ass. Let me, let me first tell you what I mean. So Kathleen, when I really got onto their comms, when Kathleen Wynne said, stood up and used a hashtag that was obsolete, first of all, and really um, this sorry, not sorry hashtag. Yeah, so she used that um, in her opening statements in the second televised leaders debate in May. After that, I knew it was downhill for her. <laughs> I really knew. And let me tell you what it is. I, I've explained this in before, but let me just give a little thing. Okay. So sorry, not sorry is a statement of defiance. It was a statement of defiance, I think, that was born out of women saying sorry all the time when they, when we um, do anything, basically. And it was a, a way to say, you know what, I'm actually not sorry, but you kind of expect me to say sorry. And it was defiant and it was strong and it it was it was like a rallying cry. And then, of course, it seeped out into the greater. This all started on Twitter, of course, and the greater Twitter community where we're like, well, not sorry, but not sorry. So, you know, kind of like screw you, you know. 
I don't think that's appropriate for a political campaign, especially when you're trying to get reelected by a populist who doesn't really like you anyway. <laughs> just a thought. Just a thought. Because what it showed me was it, it was translated to me into a callousness and an unwillingness to learn about what people are actually griping about. It stood in the way of recognition that people are suffering and it kind of lent um, uh, a sort of, it, it lent to her not really caring about what people cared about. Mm. And that's never good for a politician, especially an unpopular one. I think if she came out with, you know what, I know you guys aren't feeling me right now, but I want to listen to you. That would have been much better. How you put that in a hashtag or whatever, you should call me. Um, <laughs> but the point is, is that it could have her campaign, like her, that idea could have been the idea that she built a communications plan on. Mm. That was one of my problems. And then like playing on that was uh, like a week and a half later, a week before the election, she basically resigned. And I thought that was just the most selfish thing I'd ever seen. And she must have been betting on some sort of that people would vote for her um, MPPs instead of her were she not there maybe that was her bet maybe she thought she could you know further split the vote I don't know but all I know is that what it looked like was her hanging out her candidates to dry and all those hours of work and labor were almost belittled for her own selfish um, her selfishness in terms of saving her own her own skin and i think that that i think that pissed people off and so they just lost all around yasser nathby lost his seat mm -hmm. like i think that that was something that the liberal leader that kathleen Wynne brought on herself and others i think she fucked over her team i think she fucked over the her her the people who were, um, who were showing up, knocking on people's doors as liberal candidates, and I think that is grotesque. Yeah, I think Kathleen Wynne underestimated the degree to which people disliked her. I don't think she had any idea that people disliked her this much. And I'm sure, like, part of the reason the NDP surged so much in this election compared to previous ones where they barely had any seats was because people who are liberal or progressive on that end of the spectrum well on the left side, they are willing to vote more strategically when they need to. Um, so a lot there was a, I saw a lot of people on Twitter and on Facebook being like, oh, like I haven't decided whether I'm voting for the NDP or the liberals yet because it depends on what it's the climate's like on E-Day, Election Day. Um, and I, I think I was kind of in that camp and I think you probably were. Um, 
so people were very willing to just like throw the liberals under the bus and i think that it would have been kathleen Wynne should have had more of an awareness and less hubris to what the electorate was feeling because and her saying like oh well stop vote for us to prevent a ford or horvath majority is not helpful she should have said, done something which would never happen and said, oh, you should vote for the NDP to continue uh, progressive values for Ontarians. She should have just said, like, just thrown it all away and just said, you know what? We aren't going to win. And if we need to continue championing progressive values in this province, then we need you need to vote for the NDP. Sorry. I don't understand how, and this is the other thing, her disregard of labor in terms of st- strike disputes too was odd for me because I couldn't square that with pr- a progressive stance. The fact that, oh, the NDP are going to let people strike and they just, they won't care about the services. And I'm like, people are striking for a reason, Kathleen, you know? And when did, like, when did, first of all, when did striking become like killing babies? Like, I don't understand where that, be- where that transition happened. I don't understand how a progressive, a seemingly progressive government could, um, could really deny those rights, mm-hmm. those labor rights. And it just showed me that Kathleen Wynne and the liberals were, were willing to roll back on labor rights in a time when the real wage has been stagnant. Yeah. So I think we need to move on to the NDP. Yeah. Um, we're really against the clock here, Erica. You are the timekeeper for a reason. <laughs> <coughs> so um, Amy was actually involved um, with the party and was doing a lot of work with um, our new MPP's campaign, Joel Harden. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I asked her what she, if she had any thoughts on, on the election. And I guess in her concession speech, Andrew Horvath, um, who's now the leader of the official opposition in the legisla- legislature, gave off a very kind of congratulatory tone, um, saying, I guess she was proud of like what they'd accomplished <coughs> and all these things. Um, and it's very possible that a lot of uh, new Democrats saw this as an effort for her to try to save her job as leader. Um, She's been leader now for three elections, and this is the first one where they actually had a shot of winning, but came, to my surprise, very much in second place. I thought it was going to be a lot closer than it was. There was, what, a differential of, what, 30 seats, um, which is quite substantial um and so there are probably also a lot of other new democrats who want to see her step down because a lot of the new mpps or mpp designates or whatever you want to call them who won didn't they don't owe her anything they they didn't come up under her they they're involved a lot of them for the first time and they've been activists and they're really good organizers and so they don't really owe her anything 
So the question is. So should she stay on as party? Will she stay on as party leader? Should she stay on as party leader? What did she do right? What did she do wrong? I think three turns is enough. Yeah? Yeah. I think that I didn't like her. I, I think she looked a little too happy for somebody who who really just fell short of expectations because that's what happened. They f- really fell short of expectations. And anybody who could come on stage and claim that that's vic- like victorious in some way really needs to step down. That's not leadership to me. I, I really there is a crisis of leadership, as we can see. And. I don't accept that you don't want to win in politics. Of course, you should want to win. You know why? Because if you set the bar at not, it's okay if we don't win, then you will consistently lose. Do you know, do you know what I, I mean? I 100% know what you mean because like in sports, there's a lot of talk um, around teams and this happened a lot in, through my sports career. And, you know, I've mentioned it not on this podcast, but I've said it before about the Vancouver Canucks. Mm -hmm. I've said it before about the Washington Nationals is that there are teams that just don't know how to win. And I think that the new Democrats provincially and provincially in Ontario and federally do not know how to win an election. Boom. They're not winners. They don't because... It's because I'm, there are many factors, but they, for whatever reason, just are lacking something for the people. Yeah, they don't know how to... I don't think they know how to speak to the true concerns about people without coming up with some sort of social studies solution that kind of scares people off yes because i know a lot of people were were kind of freaked out about their getting rid of student loans yeah and like that's a lot of money owed to the province yeah and if that helps us reduce the deficit yeah then cool maybe you do something less radical and it's you don't have interest you get rid of the interest on the student loans yeah i feel like they have these lofty goals that don't really make practical sense the economics just don't work yeah the economics just don't work and i think people see through that and they're like see this is why we don't vote for you yeah. you were you were on the you were on track you're so close you're so close and you know having a mulcare balanced budget person yes. is not the answer no I really do think that the new Democrats, I mean, obviously the liberals need to rebuild like nobody's business, but the liberals will rebuild as another package of the liberals, right? Yeah. The new Democrats really have, the only reason they're even in play is because the liberals have just fallen so bad. It's basically the 2011 election, federal election all over again. Yeah. And so I think that the new Democrats really need to think about a replacing their leader to somebody who's more balanced and more practical to somebody who's even like young and fresh and well, young and fresh. Absolutely. Yeah, because no shade. But Andrew Horvath to me looks like somebody's mom on the PTA. Yes. 
And I was just like, how did she not go through like image consultation? I don't understand. Oh, I'm sure she did. Oh my gosh. And they came up with that. Well, you gotta do, you gotta work with what you got. Like, sorry, but Kathleen Wynne, when she came out in that debate stage, looked like she ran a fucking province. Well, yeah. Andrea Horvath looked like she ran somebody, like she was, you know what I, the image I got? Like, running after the school bus to give her kid, like, the plate of muffins for the bake sale. Bobby. Bobby, yes. She looked like Betty Draper. Yes. Exactly. That's what she looks like. That seems a little bit too. Yeah, no, I, I, I really do think they really need a new dynamic leader. Um, I'm not in if- fairness. I will say Andrea Horvath was the most dynamic I'd seen her because prior to this election, I had no idea what she looked like. I had no idea what her voice was. Prior like. to the last two week, two like three weeks of the no, last the, two weeks of the election. The election I would say. period was four weeks. So. Okay, so the first two weeks, <laughs> I hadn't seen shit all from Andrea Horvath. I really hadn't. I knew there was an election because the liberals were geared up for it, and um, I think there is a failure in. Policy communications and leadership with the NDP yeah. that I would put to the liberals, too. But like I said, the liberals are going to be the liberals. Yeah. They're not going to come out like newbies. So we have just about two and a half minutes. Are we going to talk about Dougie? We're going to talk about the PCs, the progressive conservatives and Doug Ford, the brother of deceased Toronto mayor, Rob Ford. What are we going to say about Doug Ford that already hasn't been said? Um, well... He's a fucker. And I'm sure, I'm certain that there will be no shortage of Doug Ford content on this podcast going forward. Yeah, which is why we left him to the end and didn't really talk about him as much, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I so basically now that Kathleen Wynne has formally resigned as premier and the lieutenant governor has asked Doug Ford to form government, there's going to be a period of time he's going to build his cabinet and there's going to be a swearing-in ceremony after which... They will put forth a speech from the throne, okay. which is going to lay out their priorities for the foreseeable future, possibly for the length of their government, depending on if they decide to have another speech from the throne or not. Yeah. So for the next four years, very likely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think probably around that time is when we'll probably give the, uh, the, the progressive conservative speech from the throne and their policy priorities a deeper dive. Yeah. Um, But yeah, basically, Ontario is kind of fucked. Doug Ford is, you know, uh, is the provincial representation of every man, every mediocre man who has made it to the top just because he looks a certain way or is connected in a certain way. And I use the word mediocre very loosely because I don't even think he's that. Sure. I don't even, I think that is like too high for him. Sure. And this is a man and a party who didn't even give enough fucks to put out a full platform. Maybe they know Ontario better than we do. You know what? Maybe since neither of us are from this province. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I have both of our provinces have NDP government. Exactly. But how is that even possible? Like, I don't understand. (laughs) 
it was also don't like each other. So. No, they, well, there you go. But <laughs> our, our provinces forced us to buy the trans, the trans mountain or trans. Yeah. yeah the trans mountain pipeline. So good job. Yay. I guess. Great job. Us. Both. <laughs> yay. Um, which oh. I, our timer's up. Finish your thought. Like, seriously? We're really... There's no, like, five-minute warning? No. I said we had two minutes to talk about Doug Ford. Oh. That was your warning. I I guess I was like, I didn't really take it seriously. (laughs) Classic Erica. (laughs) Okay. So, basically, um, yeah, we're fucked. Um, Doug Ford, um, what I kept hearing... I, I really wonder about the women in the progressive conservative party. Um, yeah. I wonder where they're sort. I, to me, they're a little bit too. They, they parrot some of the things that he says a little bit too gleefully. And I don't trust that. Power is a hell of a drug. <laughs> it is. It is. Especially when you're that close to it, I suppose. Especially when you're a fucking politician. This is... Why do you think I'm, like, so not into politics? I am, obviously, from the side. Yes, but but for yourself. Yeah. No. No. Because, first of all, nobody would elect me. Like, let's be honest. Same. Same. Yeah. I would be the radical. And um, second of all, it's just that you have to... You have to just like play to these dumb male fucks in the party who have a higher position than you and smile while doing it. it Fuck that. We would be Angela Merkel giving Trump a fucking look. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. And then we would be alienated from the party. Yeah. So anyway, Um, you should just vote for Erica and me for who fucking knows. For our Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) Become a patron of the pod, patreon.com slash bad and bitchy. Yes. So if you want to hear more content, please support us. Because listen, actually, let me just put this Patreon point in. If you guys want us or find that we can deliver content and ideas and organizing capabilities and um, like capabilities for fighting back in terms of anti-feminist measures that may come from this government, please support us on Patreon. What's that web address? Patreon.com slash bad and bitchy. There you go. Support us because we are the ones who give no fucks so you can channel it through us. <laughs> channel your anger. On that note, follow us on social media, on Twitter at Bad and Bitchy, on Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod, on Facebook.com slash Bad and B Podcast, and email us Bad and B Pod at gmail.com. Bye. 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 Bye.